Good morning. <clears throat> if you are visiting with us, no, I'm not Pastor Bill. Uh, but he sought me out and said, uh, do the best you can. So with the Lord's help, that's what we're going to do this morning. Look to him and uh, expect what he has for us. Let's, let's look to the Lord. Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to share from your word. You pray that you, <clears throat> that your word would go forth clearly, that you would be the one speaking and our hearts would be strengthened to go on for you. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a bulletin there, uh, there's a little insert and you'll notice that it, uh, it's gardening with God 101. Now, I know to the minds of a lot of people, talking about gardening in the middle of the winter might seem a little strange. But how many people in here do garden some? Okay. Now, there's quite a few of you out there. Uh, this time of year, at least historically in my past, was uh, the time when you got the seed catalogs in the mail. Now, I recognize that you don't get many of those anymore. You have to go online and look at them there. But it's a time of planning and making your plans of how it's going to go for the coming season. So that's what we're hoping to do this morning, is have a little Gardening with God 101. It's not a master garden class. It's just, you know, the, the basic of what we really need to be doing to be <coughs> fruitful Members of the family of God. Yeah, seed catalogs, they're wonderful, but the Word of God is greater that we can use today. So to be, our emphasis will be on developing, uh, fruitful Christians. That's where we're headed, and our first area is choosing a good site requires knowledge. That's that first heading there, okay? What do plants need to grow, okay? Plants need basically three things. Light, water, and good soil. With those three, you can usually have a fairly successful uh, garden. But without any one of those, it's pretty well impossible to grow anything. And so in doing... This study to, together today, we're going to be hopefully applying those to our lives and how we garden with God. Because it's either with God or, well, we'll get into that later, what we turn up when we garden alone. <clears throat> Number one, the strength of your garden is the light of life. Look at uh, John chapter 8. And verse 12. Again, therefore, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You see, the light of life comes through Jesus. Just the one we've been singing so much about this morning. He is the light of life. Without that... No fruitful garden. 
There is a consideration there. Do you have the light of life in your life at this time? Because without it, we're at the beginning point here. Without that, without Jesus in your life, you're not going to garden with God. It's not going to happen. How much do you have to pay for it? Oh, he gives it to us freely. Just for the asking. Just for the receiving. What do you get if you don't have light? You know, some people do do a little bit of gardening or growing without much light. Well, I'll tell you one thing that grows. Fungus. I'm not, well, never mind. (laughs) Some of it tastes pretty good, by the way. Some of those mushrooms. But some of them are deadly. And they're really difficult to tell the difference. And some that are tasty to one person may be highly allergic to another and cause great pain and suffering. Fungus is not a good way to go. So let's stick with the light. We are encouraged to be children of light as we come in contact with Christ. The next little one here, number two, to grow strong plants, a source of water is needed. Now, we don't have a whole lot to worry about up here about sources of water. You know, it's always there And sometimes we wish we didn't have quite as much as we do. But where I grew up and lived the first half of my life, in the Phoenix area, it's a big issue. A really big issue. In fact, I remember a time when we had just bought and built a new home out on three acres, and we had great dreams of what we were going to accomplish there, we planted some fruit trees, citrus fruit trees down there. Uh, had a little area we were going to have as, as a garden. And everything was just looking wonderful, except the community well that served about 15 homes went dry. Our hopes for a garden went up in a hurry. And the really hilarious part of that was the well that we were pulling water from was already at 500 feet. So they had to pull out and drill another 500 feet to get usable water. You say, well, what did you do in the meantime? Fortunately, the school next door had a hose bib not too far away, and we had one of those high water towers, and they ran a garden hose up to the tower, and it ran 24-7. And that kept us just barely alive out there. There wasn't going to be any gardening or any fruit trees with that little bit of water for 15 different homes. So, yeah, that's one of the things of water in a dry dry and thirsty land. Let's go back to uh, John chapter 4, though. Because that's where we find a little bit more about this subject from Jesus. There he's talking to the woman at the well. Verse 
10 of, of chapter 4, and he says, Jesus answered her and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Go to verse 13. Everyone who drinks of this well shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Now, a well that springs up, because you have some play here, a well. Some of you, even up in this wet country, know what it is for wells to go dry in the summertime. Right? I've talked to a family or two around here. Ooh, that last dry summer hurt quite a bit. Well, that's what happens in a dug well. But this living water, the well that is a living water, is a an artesian well. You don't dig those. They just come bubbling up and flowing all the time. That's the kind of water that Christ puts in our lives. Bubbling up and coming constantly from his source, not from one we've been able to dig up and make available. The wonderful thing, so far, we've had light and water, and they're both provided by God. And without either one of those, there's no gardening with God. So what else do you need? Remember? Well, number three. Only good soil produces an abundant crop. Let's go over to Matthew 13 and read just a little bit about soils. Because Jesus spoke in a parable over there about the parable of the soils. Verse 3. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed some seeds, he some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. And others fell upon the rocky places, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And others fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil. And yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. I love that. Some fell on good soil. Some yielded a hundred, sixty. I don't hear any criticism in there from God about how much the soil yielded. It's just a statement of fact. What are you yielding for God right now? What is the state of the soil of your heart right now? You see, it it does have to be worked a little bit at times to keep it producing. And therefore, it takes a little prayer and care. And we just keep on producing with God's help because he's provided the, the life, the heart that he's given us, the sunlight and the water, the eternal life. But you know, 
a good garden has got to be maintained. And that's going to get us into the next heading here. It says there, maintaining a garden requires effort and understanding. You mean if I'm going to garden with God, I'm going to have to put some work into it too? Well, to be a fruitful garden, you may have to. To stay alive in Christ? No. It's eternal life he's given us. But let's go on and make some applications here. Matthew 13. Again, moving down, though, at this time, uh, to verse 19. We see that seeking understanding means allowing God in our lives. Let's read verse 19 and see what it says. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. You see, Jesus is now beginning to explain that parable and what each one of those areas represent. So in this case, that's the one who, the soil's hard. And Satan comes along. Now I know he doesn't have any distractions in your life that he can throw in to distract you and take you away from hearing the word. There's no ball game today to be distracted by. Okay? It's just... He wants to speak to you. And we allow those things to come into our heart. And Satan will use each one of them to just take away the seed. Take it away. Not let it take root. Not let it have any effect in our lives. Not be strengthened at all. That was verse 19. What happened? One of the, the ideas there, though, was we're seeking understanding. Where in the world do you get understanding? Particularly when it comes to God's things. Well, James 1.5 tells us, if you lack wisdom, ask God. He's going to supply it. Ask for the wisdom to understand. Now, one of the things about that, though, is that... Uh, God will help you understand, but sometimes he's going to use someone else to help you understand it. I've had a helper in understanding some of these things all these 57 years. She's a sweet helper. Each of you has some other helper in your life that can help you. There are so many areas that we can... (coughs) Seek and get help. But you've got to seek it. You've got to, you've got to be willing to receive it. If it doesn't appeal to you and you would just as soon be distracted by something else, Satan's very happy to carry it away and let you go on about your business the way you're going. What kind of Areas can 
come in our lives to help us rather than hinder us. Study groups are sometimes very good. I, I Talking to my college-age grandchildren, boy, that really dates me, doesn't it? <clears throat> in fact, I have some that are through and out. But anyway, I, I understand from them, even in college, they're getting together after classes in study groups. Yeah, they admit there's some wasted time there, a little bit of extra fellowship and talking, but you see the benefit there is getting several together and going over something that's difficult to understand. Someone may have an insight and help you, oh, that's what he was talking about in class. That's that's what she was trying to get us to see. It's wonderful when you can help another or be helped by another to understand what the Word of God has to say to your heart. There's a lot of lone wolf studies, too. And too often, some of those lone wolf studies are just that. I've got my ideas and my thing, and I don't care what anyone else has to say, and that's the way it's going to go. We've got to be open to what God wants to do in our lives. He may want to change us a little bit. Number five on your sheet there, if I'm staying where I belong. uh, A firm root of fellowship helps us endure affliction and persecution. Let's read verses 20 and 21 here in this explanation. And the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places... This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now, notice as we read there, it doesn't say if persecution or affliction come. It says when they come. There's no if in there. They're going to come. you got to deal with the rocks in life. There's, there's a little family story in that. My brother-in-law down in Arizona that we hope to soon be going down and visiting, uh, my parents built a home on his property, his, his and my sister's property. And so the two houses are right there next to each other. And we go occupy the one that's now vacated by my parents, gone home to their mansion in the sky. And... Fellowship with with the brother and sister. Only three years ago, we got notice that my sister had cancer, and it was August. And in the middle of December, we got a call: "Hurry on down. There's not much time." And in three days after we arrived, she was gone. Now, the story with the rocks and my brother-in-law is he has his six acres, and he loves to farm it, and he's raised everything on that back five acres from alfalfa primarily, but he's raised corn and okra and squash and barley. 
But there's one section out there that every time he works it up, it brings rocks to the surface. So Clarence is out there. That's his name. As I look out the back window of the house toward his field, and he's got his five-gallon bucket and a wheelbarrow, and he's on his hands and knees crawling along, along this section of earth, picking rocks. And we, we kid him about that. Yeah, he needs to get the ones like this big and get out of the way. They don't grow a thing. So he's picking rocks. But every once in a while, he gets the ones down there, well, pea-size. But he's still picking rocks. But when my sister passed away, that was a rock he couldn't handle. It was too big for him. And those kinds of rocks will come along in our lives. He got through the initial part of it. But because we were right right there side by side, he would come over and have dinner with us every evening. And he started, after a week or two, started talking about, I just don't have energy to get back out there in that field anymore. Uh, Just... I'm just going to sit up in the shade and watch it all go by. I quit. And my loving encourager over here, she didn't hold back from encouraging him. Clarence, you need to think about getting back out there and doing something in that field. Night or two later, he'd kind of go through the same story and she'd give him the same little line again. After three or four times of listening to her, One evening, he came back over and he said, you know, I think I'm going to get things going back out there. And sure enough, you see, when we have those rocks that are so huge in our lives, we can't reach them. Someone usually needs to come along and help us move them. Encouraging or challenging, that is what the Christian life is about with each other. Helping people get through these Rocky times of life. Move the big ones out of the way. Some of you have had some of that recently. And I hope it was the encouragement and the love of God's people that's helped you come through it. Who are you going to help deal with the rocks in their lives? You know, good fellowship, fellowship, you know, that's that common bond in Christ, is often more than just light conversation. It's challenging and encouraging one another. How's your garden growing? And then walk away? No. Let's get down to the rough stuff. And talk. How's it really growing? Are you watering? Are, are you maintaining it? The next part is the part I really don't like. Six. Weeding out distractions helps develop healthy growth. And the weed, yeah, the weed patches we've had in our past, I mean the gardens we've had in our past, weeding is the least desirable thing. 
But it's something that has to be taken care of constantly because in this verse 22, we get the understanding and the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now what are the two things in there that choke the word? Worry and greed. You, you say, I didn't see greed in there. Oh, the deceitfulness of riches. I just shortened it down to greed. Now, personally, I don't know anything about that. I never worked extra overtime to make extra money. <laughs> you see, worry is usually changed around to I'm deeply concerned about this. <clears throat> no, that deep concern, as tough as it is, needs to be, I can trust the Lord who has saved me to see me through this thing. We go through tough times. And that's what we need, is trust. Now, it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come without encouraging one another either. Now, greed, that's another thing. You know, greed is, excuse me, it's providing for my family in a way in which they should become used to. In other words, work all the overtimes available. Never see them, never be home to direct, help, encourage. Uh-uh. That's the deceitfulness of riches. Granted, there are jobs where once in a while we get caught, and it has to be done. You say, well, where did you work? I was a public school teacher, so I, no, overtime was never part of it. No, but I was also a furniture mover in Arizona in the summertime. And, for, and there's lots of overtime available. And sometimes I took some I should have just had a deaf ear and walked away. Others, I didn't have much option on it. You're in the middle of moving a family from one part of town to another, and it becomes 5 o'clock, and you want to go home, and you only have your van half unloaded. Guess what? You stick out and get the job done. There's a difference. We have choices to make sometimes. Let's be sure that greed is not in our choice, but rather contentment. Contentment with what God is righteously providing in our lives. You see, the worry, I would uh, turn those to, to meaning more like the blackberries of the garden. I hate blackberries. They just keep coming. Contentment? Yeah, there's thistles and noxious weeds out there too. And they all have to be rooted out. Or they'll take over. We planted a garden here a few years ago. 
and had to leave. But the young lady who lived there in the mobile by us, and she wanted a garden too, so set out a part, and, and boy, she really got to work and put a lot, a lot of seeds in, and we had to leave and be gone for two or three weeks. And I thought I understood that she was going to care for it all while we were gone. That wasn't in black and white. The weeds had taken over. No one had time enough to catch up. She had just given up. I can understand she had two small children, but she wanted to do it. You see, we have to take a little bit of consideration as to how much we're planting and how big a garden the Lord really wants us to have sometimes. Changing life circumstances are hard to deal with. I've had to reduce the size of my garden considerably lately. That's what happens when you get up past 75. You just realize, I can't get out there and do that anymore. And and the ground's a long ways down there. And (sighs) I built some raised beds. It makes it a whole lot easier to get to it. Adapt to the circumstances God has you living in. Don't take on more than he intends for you to garden. That's just a word to the wise. Number seven. A solid root structure ensures a fruitful crop. We can go to uh, John 15 for that part. John 15, 1 to 8, this is all about abiding in Christ. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and he gathers, and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're, and they're burned. If you Abide in me and your words abide in, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and you shall be done and it shall be done for you. By this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Abiding in Christ. That's just staying put. Staying right there, fastened to the vine. Getting your nourishment through his root system. A few years ago in my own gardening, I planted, I must have been a half a dozen different kinds of tomato seeds. And I transplanted some of those out and gave them away. And I finally realized I have a whole bunch out here that 
aren't going to do any, any good, so I just pulled them out and tossed them over in a heap. And you know what happened to those? No, they were in the sun without water. And they dried up. No root system working for them. Yeah, I've had some that I tossed in the compost heap and, oh, they found good soil and water. Thank you, Lord. (sighs) But abiding in Christ is staying attached. Staying hooked into his word. Realizing that he is the one who has given us life and light and all of the essentials for fruit bearing. But there was that one part in there I didn't like. And that's a pruning part. That's the part that hurts sometimes. That's the the little wild branches that he says don't need to be here. We'll get rid of them and you will be more fruitful. I don't know what the wild branches are in your life and I'm not going to tell you what they are in mine, okay? But they need to be pruned off so that there can be more fruit. Better fruit. And there's another part in here that has bothered us sometimes. That asking and receiving part, you know. But there's so many things I ask God for and I never get them. Oh, wait a minute. That's part of abiding in Christ. You see, abiding means I'm so firmly attached to Him that what He wants is what's important in my life. What He wants to happen, part of the pruning system, is what's going to glorify God, not Ed. I like to be noticed. But that's not the name of the game. It's glorifying God through bearing fruit for Him. And He makes it all possible. That's the asking and receiving. I am so joined to Christ, only His will is going to be right. Lord, I want that. But how often I wander from it. But gardening is about enjoying God's fruit. And His fruit is the best. It's the satisfying fruit. And that leads us into our last section. Enjoying the fruit of the garden blesses our souls and the lives of others. Some people like to say that the Christian life is all about keeping rules. No. It's a work of gratitude and joy. If it's really done for Christ. Why? Because Christ has made it all possible. There is no garden without Christ. Therefore, what we do is not to be noticed, hopefully. Not to be the best, but to bring glory to God.
Let's check out what God says about rules. Go to Galatians 3. I like this part. Six. uh, The law does not produce fruit. That's eight. Excuse me. The law does not produce fruit to be enjoyed. Galatians 3.24. Straight and to the point. Therefore, the law has become our tutor or schoolmaster to lead us to Christ that we may be justified by faith. You see, the law teaches us what we really need. God has given it to us to to direct us that you're never going to be able to do this. And therefore you reach that point of saying, oh, it's only through Christ and what he has done that I can be fruitful in this life. It's not rules that puts down the real fruit. It's life in Christ. And God has given us the law as a schoolmaster. Now that really applies to to, to my heart. Having tried to teach for 42 years, there's nothing more blessed in a teacher's life than when students come to that aha moment. Oh, I understand it now. You remember those, don't you, Kathy? Yeah. Yeah. They're wonderful. Somebody finally got it. Whatever it was you were trying to teach that day, it broke through. They had that aha. And that's what God has given us the law for. So that we can have that aha moment and realize, oh, all of this work I've been doing trying to get there, God... Isn't going to get me any closer? It was all free in the first place. It was all there in Christ. Are you depending on law keeping to get to God? He says, that's not what I gave it to you for. It's to realize that you need Christ in your life. In Christ alone, I'll take my stand. That's where it's at. Number nine, our last point we want to look at this morning. The local church is strengthened when we are producing and sharing the fruit of the Spirit. We can just stay there in Galatians for that. Let's look at Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We were just talking about the law. But you see, the the fruit that the Spirit puts in our life because of Christ, there's no law against any of those. You know, that sounds like a pretty enjoyable place to be. Where those attributes are being shown 
And it's all called the the fruit of the Spirit. You see, when the Spirit of God is active in our lives, that's what it produces. There's no law against that kind of fruit. But what does the flesh produce? You see, we have to carry the Spirit of God in our hearts if we have received Christ and He's there. But we also have to walk around in this flesh. And once in a while, it kind of takes over and the deeds... Oh, go back up a few verses. And I really don't like reading that. Verse 19 says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Say, I'm not guilty of any of those. Oh, wait a minute. Enmities, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Oh, I'd never cause divisions between two people just to get them to agree with me. I'm never jealous of someone else. Okay, okay. Deceitfulness. Those are the works, deeds of the flesh. Those are the things that are evident. And you're going to see them all around you. I like to liken those to the fungus that's grown without light. Because that's what naturally comes up. Remember? No light, fungus grows. Which do you want growing in your garden? Look back through the fruits, fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. I'm told at times, oh, you have a lot of patience. That's when I was teaching middle school. But there's other times when I was around my own kids and family and uh, it was kind of like, where did all that patience go? Oh, Kindness. What a delightful way to live. That's why we started out by saying the local church is strengthened when we are producing and sharing the fruit of the Spirit. Now, these are the things you want to share. Not the extra zucchini that you might grow, but the fruit of the Spirit. And sometimes that might cause you to challenge or encourage someone. And it might cause someone else to challenge or encourage you. Oh, I don't mind telling someone else what to do. But they're meddling when they try to tell me what to do. You see, it's a state of the heart. And that's what God was talking about when he talked about the soils. In the parable of the soils. What? condition is the soil of your heart in? Is it ready to produce a crop for Christ? Or is it ready to reject any input from others? Which qualities do you 
do you display when you're relating to others? The fruit of the Spirit or the deeds of the flesh? Do you have the eternal light and the artesian well of water springing up in your life and helping you to grow a crop of patience and love and joy and peace in your heart? What is the source of life in your garden? I'll go back to one of the other points. So, Where are you involved in a study group, a Sunday school class, something where you are receiving input in your life? Are you lone wolfing it? There's lots of opportunities. I was really encouraged to just went up with some brothers to pray before this, to look in the upper room up there and see so many young couples in there in that parenting class. That's where we are encouraged and instructed and taught from God how to carry on this life in Christ. Is there some weeding that needs to be done in your life? You see, it's easy to tell other people, oh, there's some things that ought to be dug out and there's a thistle and... No. God wants you tending to your own garden not meddling in someone else's. You can encourage them. You can challenge them. But be sure you're taking care of home too. The weeding's not done at home. There'll be no flourishing garden. So then the bottom line is, how fruitful is your garden for God? If you're gardening with God, it's going to be fruitful. If you're going alone, there's no hope. Garden with God and enjoy the fruit of the Spirit. Father, thank you that in the wonders of your love and grace, you have given us so much. You have given us Christ and all that is in him, the living water, the water that springs up in our hearts continually, the light of life. Help us that our hearts are good soil, cultivated and receptive, that we might be those that produce much fruit for the kingdom of God. All of this is about your glory. All of that is to bring along each of us to maturity and to glorifying you. Thank you so much for the wonderful gift of Christ. Those that do not know him, help, help them to seek him. Guide us now in our conversation and lives. And we give thanks for this day in Jesus' name. Amen.